You're listening to the Curiosity Mishmash Podcast, an adventure for your mind with no topics off limits. Sometimes serious, often funny, and always engaging. Your host is a curiosity fanatic. She's also a business and human factors consultant, coach, and pilot who uses her own insatiable curiosity to entertain, inspire, and educate. Pop in your earbuds, crank up your stereo, and let's get ready to dig in. Here's your host, Chelsea Stein Engberg. Hello, and thank you for joining me for episode three of the podcast. So we're three episodes in. This one's a little bit of a mind bender or a doozy. Uh, It's a combination of my love of psychology and interest in its application combined with the fact that I've received a number of requests for this topic already. So let's buckle up and get ready to dive into the topic of cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is a term that gets tossed around a lot, especially these days. So I thought it would be an interesting thing to kind of dig into and really understand the theory, how it came to be applied and how it affects us day to day. Let's break down the terms to start. Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive means relating to cognition. Cognition is the mental action or process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and the senses. Dissonance is a tension or a clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. So cognitive dissonance is a social psychology theory that refers to the mental conflict that occurs when someone either holds two contradictory beliefs or that their beliefs and their behaviors are misaligned and they're aware of them. That's the important part. If you're not aware that these two beliefs are clashing or that a belief and a behavior don't align correctly, then you don't experience that dissonance. Admitting you're wrong is a perfect example of this. Some people, when they hear the words, you're wrong, immediately bristle and they might think, me wrong? Never, you're wrong. Or somebody might say, oh my gosh, that's perfect. And You might think to yourself, I'm wrong all the time. I can't be right. Either way, those are examples of cognitive dissonance. And what normally attaches to that? A feeling of discomfort. Cognitive dissonance is a theory that was created in 1957 by a psychologist named Leon Fessinger. And in it, he proposed that humans experience discomfort when they either hold conflicting beliefs or their actions contradict their beliefs. The theory suggests that we have this inner drive to hold all our attitudes and our behaviors in harmony and avoid that discomfort or disharmony. That's the dissonance. This is known as the principle of cognitive consistency. And it also is true of other things. It's not just cognition. As humans, we don't like to be uncomfortable. So we strive to avoid it, sometimes at all costs. When there's an inconsistency between attitudes or behaviors and we have that dissonance, something has to change to eliminate that discomfort. What causes it? Effort's a big one. We tend to connect effort with value. The more effort we put into something, usually the more highly we value it. So what happens if you put a ton of effort into something that ends up just not panning out or having a negative outcome? You'll probably experience cognitive dissonance. How do people manage this situation? They may try to convince themselves that they really didn't put in that much effort, even though they really did. Or they might try to convince themselves that it wasn't really effort or work. It was actually very enjoyable, even if it wasn't. 
they might even try to re-remember the situation to convince themselves that they didn't really put any time into it at all or that the outcome really wasn't that bad. There was a well-known research project around this and it occurred in 1959 run by Aronson and Mills. They took volunteer female students and split them into two groups. Both groups were going to take part in a psychology of sex discussion with a male experimenter. One group, the mild experiment group, read aloud to that male experimenter, and there was a list of words in the passage that they read, but the sex-related words really weren't that graphic. The other group, the severe embarrassment group, had to read aloud a much more graphic passage filled with obscene words. Once complete, the participants were asked to rate their experience based on how interesting they found it. So can you guess which group rated the experience more positively? Those in the severe embarrassment group actually did. Why do you think? Because they had to put an increased effort. Their minds rated the experience more highly to justify the effort they put in. There's something else called forced compliance that kind of plays into this. And this is the theory that is based on the idea that some type of authority figure or someone that's perceived as a higher ranking person can force someone below them to do something they really don't want to do, like make a statement that they don't agree with, maybe publicly, or perform some type of action that violates their judgment. The theory focuses on the goal of altering an individual's attitude through persuasion and authority, but it also clearly ties to cognitive dissonance. So let's look at another experiment. Also in 1959, this was done, and this was to test this theory using an uber boring task, super boring, that the experimenters were sure no one could find enjoyable. The control group weren't given any expectations and just did the task as directed. The experimental group, on the other hand, were pumped up by the experimenters prior to the task, and they tell them how fun it would be and that they would be paid at the end they'd receive either a dollar or $20 to convince the next participant that the super boring task was actually enjoyable and fun. What did they discover? So those that were paid $1 rated the experience as more enjoyable than those who were paid $20. Why? Because those that were paid less had more cognitive dissonance to manage in order To do that, they changed their view to get back to that harmonious place, whereas the people who made the $20, they just received some financial benefit for doing the job, so they didn't experience as much cognitive dissonance. So basically, the study demonstrated that when individuals experience a cognitive dissonance, they may tend to shift their private belief to reduce the dissonance. decision-making. I'd argue this is the most common cause of cognitive dissonance on a regular basis for us humans. Every time we're faced with a decision, there are at least two outcomes we have to consider. Rarely is one 100% the right answer or positive and the other 100% the wrong answer or negative. If that were the case, making these big life-altering decisions would be super simple. Let's be honest, we know it's not. As an example, consider being offered a job of your dreams, amazing pay, the exact work you've wanted to do your entire life, stability, benefits, but there's a catch. It requires you to move, and not just move, but move to a location that is all but at the bottom of your list of places you would ever want to live. It's far away. There's no family nearby, no friends, the weather is horrible all the time. 
It's decisions like this that can quickly lead our minds into a realm of dissonance. How do we usually respond to situations of cognitive dissonance caused by decision making? Well, we often find mental tactics to try to adjust the way we look at things to get back to a more harmonious state with less discomfort. The main tactic, maybe you make your current job look way better than you originally were thinking it was, and in turn, make the new job offer look less enticing. For instance, staying in your current job provides you more stability, more power over your upward mobility in the company, and you have seniority. At the same time, you might actually make the dream job appear less great than you initially thought it was so that if you do decide to not take it, you don't feel that discomfort of walking away from the dream while at the same time feeling more comfortable with the decision that you've made. Or if you decide you want to take the new job, you would then likely build up more positives around that and find more reasons why staying in your current position would be a bad idea, even if they aren't all rational or true. Remember, this applies to so many different things, making decisions around where to live, jobs, relationships, buying a car, starting a business. It goes on and on. What makes dissonance worse? There's three main things. First, the type of belief. The more personal the belief is, the more dissonance you might experience. Second, the value of the belief. Beliefs that people tend to value more lead to much more greater dissonance when they are challenged by a new thought or belief. And three, how big the discrepancy actually is. The bigger the discrepancy between the conflicting belief or action with that of your current beliefs, the greater the dissonance. And what about the side effects? What kind of side effects do we see with cognitive dissonance? It really depends. In some situations, it can be really negative. Anxiety, stress, maybe shame, regret, embarrassment, frustration, changes in self-value, worth, or confidence. It is worth noting, though, that often, if we're trying to work through it, it's temporary. If we don't work through it, it's there forever. How do we normally react to this? We change our beliefs, behaviors, or attitude. This is way easier said than done, but it is one of the ways we can manage it. If a behavior is causing the dissonance, you can try to either change or even totally eliminate that behavior. As an example, if you smoke cigarettes and then you start reading all this evidence around how unhealthy smoking is, you may start to experience cognitive dissonance. An option is to try to get rid of that dissonance by maybe stopping smoking. Like I said, though, easier said than done. Another way, add new beliefs to our mental filing cabinet. Manage the situation by going out and finding additional information that supports your current old belief and discounts the other information that causes the dissonance. Basically, you're looking at a strength in that current original belief and discount the conflicting information. An example of this, let's use flat earthers. These are people that believe the earth is flat and often are overwhelmed with scientific evidence and explanations to prove that the earth is round. But because of the dissonance and because they are so highly valuing their belief that it is flat, they will go out and often try to create their own experiments to support their theories and discount the round earth explanations. You also might 
find yourself reducing the importance of the beliefs. In this situation, a person actually searches for a way to reduce the importance or value of one belief while increasing that of another. If someone really loves smoking, and even if they understand the risks and damage being done to their lungs, they may still decide that smoking makes them happy and is more enjoyable in their life and it's worth doing. This could mean they potentially have a shorter life because if they don't stop smoking, they might get lung cancer. But they decide, so what? I want to live a pleasurable, happy life, and it doesn't matter if I live as long. Now, it should be noted here that that's actually often the way the brain will go, wanting to reduce the importance of the new information and to shore up information for that original thought. That's because our brains are wired to want to be right. This isn't a, I'm trying to be tough and be right kind of thing. It's a, my world has revolved around this reality of me understanding and believing what's in my head is true. It's hard to change that. So how can we actually manage the cognitive dissonance? A few basic tools, self-awareness, open-mindedness, being willing to confront ourselves if we see cognitive dissonance starting to creep up, and also to embrace the discomfort and dig in are all things we can do. But I wanted to kind of get into a couple more steps that are more specific to ways that we can tackle this. So for this example, let's just think about setting a goal. You want to start your own company. You want to go after a new promotion. You want to lose weight. You want to, I don't know, decide that you're going to go climb a mountain. The first thing you need to do is decide what that thing is that you want to do. What's your new goal? But you also then have to think about what beliefs, new beliefs, have to tie to that. Once you've done that, think about what you need to say, do, and act to be able to put that into practice. The next step is actually putting it into practice. And please be aware, this is where things get uncomfortable. That's okay. Remember that discomfort is temporary with cognitive dissonance if we're figuring out a way to find the harmony again. Your brain's going to want to push back here. Quitting feels really good to the brain in the short term because it gets rid of this discomfort, but you need to keep pushing if you want to get through it without just giving up. The next step Once you've really started to try and put it into practice and you understand that you might fail here and there and it's going to be an uphill battle, you can start looking at ways to actually begin to discount that original old belief, thought, or idea. This is hard, but starting to prove the new information true will start to discount the old. Easier said than done again, but ways to do this, you can write things down. I find that's really helpful, but Also, unhooking from your emotional ties to the belief or thought can really help. And I use something called RCC or Recognize, Clarify, and Commit. So just to explain that a little bit, recognize is recognize the thought. Clarify that it's just a thought. In fact, not a positive or a negative. We might attach those connotations to it, but it's just a thought. It's not fact or fiction. It's just a thought. Then turn it into a plain statement, restate your new thought or belief. And if this is tough, you might need to take some baby steps in between, but we're going to give ourselves an example here. So let's say our new goal or thought is I'm going to get a promotion. Your original thought might be other people are more qualified than me for this promotion. So there's no point in applying. So recognize the original thought. There's other people more qualified than me for the promotion. So there's no point. 
Then clarify, remove the emotional connotation. It's no longer other people are more qualified than me for the promotion, so there's no point. Now it's just other people may apply for the job. Now commit, accept that there is going to be some discomfort as you work towards the new thought, but if you can get rid of the negatives, you can allow yourself to work towards taking the actions you need to. Talk to your boss, apply for the promotion, etc. Remember the discomfort zone is temporary and there's a prize on the other side. Accomplishment. Your brain hates discomfort. We figured this out, which is why quitting can feel so good initially. But if you can recognize and accept the discomfort as temporary, push through it, you can get to the other side. And when you accomplish your goal and make your new belief true, you get a different kind of reward. For instance, maybe it's a shot of dopamine from your brain. So I thought this might be an interesting time to dig into cognitive dissonance through looking at a few other interesting things before we call it a day for the podcast. And one that I actually did not know was tied to cognitive dissonance directly until I dug in were cults. So believe it or not, observation of a cult is how cognitive dissonance came to be studied originally. There are a lot of cults out there that you've probably heard of. The Branch Davidians in the 90s, Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid in the 70s, Heaven's Gate in the early 90s. These are just a few fairly common cults. In an article by Dr. Matthew J. Sharps in Psychology Today, he generalizes cognitive dissonance in terms of cult as the more you pay, the more you like, whether that makes sense or not. But that's really what we talked about in the beginning. The more effort you put in, the more you believe. The perfect example he uses, the Seekers, also known as the Brotherhood of Seven Rays, and their leader, Dorothy Martin. This was actually written about in a book called When Prophecy Fails, and Dorothy Martin was given the pseudonym of Marion Keach in that book. The basics. Martin believed that the world was going to end on December 21st, 1954, when there would be this massive flood and it would destroy most of the earth and kill off the population. Of course, she received this information in a message from planet Clarion. Long story short, she talked to her followers, talked them into waiting with her for the disaster to come and promised that because they were her followers, they would also be saved by the Clarion flying saucer. No, I'm not making this up. Because they believed that they were going to be taken from the planet and that everyone would be dead soon anyway, these followers paid dearly to be part of her cult. They gave up jobs, relationships, homes, properties. They didn't need these things where they were going, right? Well, guess what? December 21st, 1954, it came. It went. There were no floods. So you might think that all of her followers just wrote her off, right? As a fraud, maybe went after her for lawsuits to try and get their money back and then crawled back to their families and friends and bosses to try and get their lives back. Wrong. Believe it or not, most of them not only believed Martin's explanation as to why the flood didn't happen. Apparently, God wrote her and told her that he was just so impressed by her and her followers that he decided to not kill off the entire planet after all but they became even more devoted to her. Why? Cognitive dissonance. They put all three of the ways we discussed earlier 
to and use those to manage their cognitive dissonance. They changed their belief to the flood actually wasn't supposed to happen after all. They added to their beliefs that there was a reason that the flood didn't happen and reduced the importance of the new old belief that the world was ending to strengthen and further support their cult leader. Another example. Do you have a dog? If you answered yes, you may have experienced this before. Have you ever not picked up after your dog because as you're on a walk, you discover that lo and behold, you're out of bags? Yes, that dreaded moment when you realize the bag container is empty and you're miles away from your car. If this has ever happened to you, it's happened to me. You may have decided to just let this one time go by and not pick it up, but then you start to feel bad about it later. You might be experiencing cognitive dissonance about this. You have a few options. You can change your belief that picking up after your dog is the right thing to do. Other people don't do it, so why should I? Or you might downplay the importance of your original belief to make yourself feel less guilty by reminding yourself that this isn't your norm and it's just one time and it won't happen again. Or you could decide that your original belief is strong, you're not changing your mind or making excuses to get over the dissonance and actually run all the way back with a bag to clean it up. Probably not the most common choice, but it's an option. The last example of cognitive dissonance I'll give is actually from when I was a kid. And this is a belief versus action example for sure. I was little, maybe two or three. My parents had a three-legged cat named Tigger. He was a love. He didn't let his disability keep him down. He would fly up the stairs in a house, three flights, follow us around, and generally made the house his kingdom. Well, I was playing around, doing something I wasn't supposed to do, and I knocked a vase off one of the landings, sending it toppling to the floor where it shattered. My mom asked me what happened, and I confidently blamed it on Tigger, knowing that he wasn't going to get in trouble, and nor was I. But if you ask my mom to tell you how the rest of the day went, she'd tell you I was moping around the house and softly whining and crying for the rest of the day. Finally, she asked me what was wrong with me, and after hours of struggling with the dissonance between my belief that I wasn't supposed to tell a lie and the lie that I had told, I broke into sobs of admitting that Tigger hadn't broken the vase, it was me. Yeah, laugh. I still laugh when my mom tells this story, but it really does shine a pure and authentic light on how emotionally draining cognitive dissonance can be, even for a kid. So we went from delving into the ins and outs of cognitive dissonance to really digging into how dissonance plays a role in some of today's situations, everyday life, as well as more serious. At the end of the day, cognitive dissonance affects each and every one of us. From deciding to not work out like you normally do in exchange for a night on the couch, destroying a carton of ice cream and watching reality TV, to struggling when you're upset at your partner for forgetting your birthday every year to the point where you start changing your outlook on birthdays to devalue them in your mind, or being faced with new information that totally discredits something you may have vehemently believed your entire life, like the earth is flat, it's all around us. It's not only leading to significant issues for individuals experiencing this dissonance, it can have major effects on society as a whole. As humans, we dislike getting uncomfortable. Just like electrical current likes to take the path of least resistance, so do humans like to take the path of least personal discomfort. 
but it's the ability to realize the discomfort and the potential that the discomfort might lead to something better on the other side that humans have over the electrical current. We've all heard the phrase, embrace the suck, usually in terms of exercise, but actually it goes far beyond that. Embrace the discomfort, and in doing so, you might allow yourself to expand your self-awareness, your ability to learn and make rational decisions for yourself instead of allowing your brain's automatic paths to eliminate the dissonance. These are the same paths that, in extreme cases, clearly have led people and groups down some scary stories. The podcast is a semi-serious one this time, but it's not one meant to make you bristle or fall into a place of defense. I actually decided to do this podcast for the exact opposite reason. I firmly believe the more we learn, the more we know. The more tools we have in our toolbox to take on the information swirling around us, the better off we will be. If you watch my social media accounts, you know one of my favorite hashtags is always be learning. And that's because I believe knowledge is power. Yeah, I know. I need to find that sound effect for the more you know rainbow TV commercial from a long time ago, but it's true. I hope this episode makes you think and maybe get a little uncomfortable just enough to know you're stretching your brain a bit. Every time we get a little more self-aware, we become a little stronger all the way around. As this podcast always promises, we have funny, serious, and everything in between. And by now, I hope you've gotten a little bit of all of that and enjoyed every minute of it. I'm loving joining you guys on these curiosity adventures. So again, thanks for joining me. And I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Curiosity Mishmash podcast. We're so glad you're here. Check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes you may have missed, and subscribe to keep up with new ones. Have a topic idea or question? We want to hear it. Email us at idea at curiositymishmash.com. You can also connect with Chelsea on Instagram at Chelsea Ingberg or her website at www.aviatrix.guru. Until next time, stay curious.